Welcome back to Football Funders Podcast. I am Ryan, your host for this evening, joined as always by Dan. And this podcast is brought to you in association with the Proper Blokes Club and let us talk mental health. How are you doing, Danny boy? No, I'm not bad. How are we? Yeah, not bad. We've been away a while because we've been trying a few different things on the, on the podcast channel. So hopefully our listeners have managed to have a listen to some of our other stuff and see if they like it. Also, I've been quite active on Twitter lately. I've been using the uh, the Pods, Pods channel to try and rile up a few people. It's been quite fun, actually, but I've had to stop for a little while. You want to talk about the championship, right? Because it's the end of the championship season. And just a quick side note, it has been announced that the playoff finals this year are getting VAR. So it's going to change it a little bit compared to previous years. But the tables are, well, I suppose not f- final. But There's one game left. Yeah. My pick, I'm happy to say, my pick of Fulham, whoop, whoop, going up as champs and Mitrovic, Jesus. What happened there? He's gone from donkey to dollar in no time. Well, to be fair to Mitrovic, he does always score a ton in the championship. He's just decided he'll take it up to the level this time. Normally, he gets in the 25 to 30 range. This year, he went, I'll just score every game, shall I? To be fair, Fulham have been winning a fair amount of games by 5, 6 and 7. So, it shouldn't really be a surprise that Mitchell scores a lot of them. It's going to be interesting to see how they cope in the Premier League next year. They're losing one of their brightest young prospects in Carvajal. Is it Carvajal or Carvalhal? Carvalhal. He's supposed to be off to Liverpool, apparently. And Fulham normally come up and go straight back down again for Fulham. Fulham and Norwich, they just they just swing up and down together. Bless them. Switch places. I I bet they haven't been in the same league in years. It would be interesting to have a look, wouldn't it? Yeah, I am tempted. Your prediction was Fulham. I did predict Fulham to go up. I didn't predict them to win the league because the team that I predicted to win the league finished second. Well, are going to finish second in AFC Bournemouth. Scott Park crying in on Sky Sports wasn't the cry I was hoping for. <laughs> you know, I'd prefer if he's going to be crying, I'd rather be upset. But he seemed quite happy. And then in the playoffs, I mean, the playoffs aren't sorted. Middlesbrough and Millwall can get in the playoffs on the last game. I'm dreading seeing Millwall in the Premier League. But it's very unlikely, but they can technically still do it. So Nottingham Forest and Huddersfield are confirmed playoff sides. Sheffield United are mathem- not confirmed and they have Fulham on the last day but Fulham should be on the piss to be fair so and they only need a point even to be fair they could probably draw and get and you know get in the playoffs Luton are sick which is the surprise for I think everyone really and we all knew Luton were you know if people that watched Sheffield knew Luton were capable of good results but they're in sixth but they are on a bit of a side they got Hit for seven by Fulham last weekend. So we'll see how they do. And there's Middlesbrough and Millwall are covered. Uh, Middlesbrough on the last day have Preston, which should be a doddle. And Millwall have Bournemouth. So again, Bournemouth might be on the piss. Um, at the bottom, Barnsley relegated for being in Yorkshire. That's the only reason. I don't like the place. Peter for a second because they're rubbish. And third place in the bottom three. And unfortunate because if you give them 21 points that they were deducted they finish in 17th for Derby County who I'm so looking forward to watching in League One next year I actually love it and hopefully they get a takeover sorted soon I'd actually love to see like a documentary like about Derby next season and watching their year and if it ends with Charlton beating them at Wembley like the Sunderland one did 
these takeovers do seem to be taking a bit of a while, though, don't they? Because even it's the same with Chelsea. All these preferred bidders and everybody seems to want to throw their money at them, but nobody seems to have got Derby or Chelsea yet. The issue with Derby, from what is being spoke about, is that Mel, Mel Morris, right? Yeah, yep. Owns money to the council for the for the ground. So, from my understanding, is they want to get the money. The person who wants to buy the club, the American geezer, wants to buy all, but there's still money situations. So Morris has to kind of do the deal to get any kind of, you know, deal done. So it's 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 hard. Derby, I mean, they're hoping. I keep seeing they think it's going to be the end of the week, and then they get to another week. So I really don't know, poor Derby. But I'm really looking forward to watching them in League One. That sounds really horrible. Like, oh, you're rubbish. But like, if, if it's not for the fact that Charlton are in League One, then I'll. If I could predict next year what I hope would happen, I'd have Charlton first and Derby in second. I really do hope Derby get it sorted because you know if it wasn't for if it wasn't for their minus points and Reading's minus points, Birmingham go down. And I mean the most disappointing thing is Ryan, all the clubs coming down. I've been to, so nothing new. Not for even you the away, away games. No, oh, I've been. Dear. I mean Barnsley, Dar- Derby. I'm probably going to go to again because it's going to be like a hopefully top of the table clash if we can. Let's play football. I'm avoiding Peterborough because the ground is absolute dump. And although Peterborough itself is nice, the ground's awful. And Barnes is in Yorkshire. Uh, any surprises for you in that table? Luton, I think, Not is the big say. one that I didn't see. I'm surprised. I'm well. I'm surprised and happy to see my pick of Sheffield United to be up into the playoffs because I did predict them to go up, but they had a horrific season. And the one that ultimately disappointed me was I tipped Bristol City at the start of the season to at least make the playoffs and they've done what they did the season before really and and shit the bed a little a little side the only thing... probably is i'd like to see blackburn maybe come up just purely obviously it sounds a bit weird coming from man united fan because they're local rivals and they've got history but that club's been through the mill so much especially with the uh, the chicken farmer people Venkies. Yeah, that took over and then... They're still there. <laughs> Are they still there? Okay, but yeah. um, I'd like to see them maybe sneak a playoff. If it's, I'm not sure, is it mathematically possible? It's for not, no, it's not, no. Oh, no. that's a shame. They fell apart. Ben Brereton Diaz got injured in February and March and it kind of ruined their store. And Tony Mowbray's just said he's leaving. So Tony Mowbray's yeah. leaving? Yeah, all change at Blackburn. Again, this is the other problem with Batburn. Those owners don't seem to be able to keep any sort of stability at that club at all. One doesn't surprise me, really, but I think we'll see a change in the summer is West Brom. West Brom are a club you expect to be up there. I didn't think their squad was necessarily good enough. We covered this in the in the uh, in the preview, and I said I don't think there's enough goals in the team. They started the season and then they hired Steve Bruce, which was. Mind-boggling. I don't understand what they hired Steve Bruce. <clears throat> Carlin Grant is the only one in, in on their squad to have scored more than eight goals. Well, they started on fire, didn't they, if I remember rightly? I think they had, like, 22 games fun, yeah. really quickly. And then it just so went downhill. And then, like they just you said, not they, goals, so why would you hire Steve Bruce? If you're not scoring as you were, then the last thing you do is sign a defensive-minded manager with outdated training methods. You know who his first signing was at West Brom as well, didn't you? Solomon Rondon? Andy Carroll. What? 
I thought he was at Reading. No, so he was at Reading, but he was on like a part-time contract. So I think he was there for like two months with Trey for West Brom. He's actually their third leading goal scorer with three goals. Hence the problem at West Brom. No one scores goals. Three goals. They don't score goals. They've got well, they're not going to under Steve Bruce. Callum Robinson, eight. Then Alex Mauer, Andy Carroll, Matt Phillips, and Brady Diangana, three. Jordan Hugill, Cedric Kitke, and Dara Shea, two. Ajayi, Paul Bartley, Jason Malumbi, and Adam Reach with one. Adam Reach. Jesus. So who scored the most goals? Oh, stupid question. Who scored the most goals in the championship this year? It's Mitrovic, isn't it? It was Alexander Mitrovic. Um, I'll tell you who did surprise me, though. So I'll go through the top the top five, because he's in there. Mitrovic scored 43. That was a big surprise. Well, so I he knew scored he scored two. goals, but he scored like, yeah, every game, bang. Dominic Solanke scored 29. That's a shock for me. I know he's done it Which in the I championship. Which I didn't think he could. Yeah. Joel Piero scored 22. He plays for Swansea City. Oh, there's lovely. And then this is the one that surprised me. The fourth one, Andreas Weimann. Really? With 22 league goals. Where's he now then? He learned to do that in Bristol City, ironically, and they were crap. Ben Brereton Diaz, 21 goals. In half a season. Yeah. Getting more. Do you think he would have challenged nah. Mitrovic if he'd stayed fit? No, I think he might have gone ahead of Solanke. I think he might have been in the 30s, mid, mid to early 30s. But I don't think in the top league goal scorer in League One, I've just seen as well. That's mind boggling, but we'll get to that in a minute. Right, we'll go down to League One, sadly. This is where uh, my club, which we'll get on to in a minute, don't you worry, people. You know what? I'll start to make myself happy. Getting relegated from League One, Crew Alexander, don't care. AFC Wimbledon, don't care. Lucky lads, don't really care. Doncaster Rovers, same. Chillingham Football Club has gone. Yes. The Pikes have gone. Sorry, I mean, I would say sorry to the Gillingham fans listening, but I don't care. The celebration in my house when uh, Rotherham relegated them is good. It was good. The, the celebration on so much lip, somehow. The celebration on WhatsApp was pretty spectacular. I've got to admit, I had to put the group on mute just so that like I could <laughs> get on with my day because every five minutes it was like ping down go the bin dippers. Oh no, they've closed. Ping <laughs> down go the bin dippers. It was just. I was like, okay, right, mute. I'll check it all in about a week once they've calmed down. <laughs> well, we had nothing to play for. But so Wigan won the league, like everybody predicted. I think uh, most of us said Wigan to go up. And then I think there was discrepancies of who finished second. I mean, I said Ipswich. I think you might have said Sunderland. I think Dad said Sheffield Wednesday. My, my money it, was on Sunderland, it was yeah. It yeah, it was Rotherham. Because Michael Smith, who's a former champ player, couldn't it? Band or the banjo is obviously obviously sensational at Rotherham. So uh, they went up the playoffs. Now the playoffs has two kind of minnows and two big sides. And and the first game they played last night, Milton Keynes played Wickham last night in the first leg. Wickham won two 0 so they take a two 0 lead back to MK. And in the second game, Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland kick off in about an hour. Oh, so which my is tip a massive massive got. playoff game. Uh, well, they're in the playoffs. Let's see. So where did Ipswich um, finish, sorry? I'm... In the playoffs? Ipswich finished, Ipswich finished 11th. Kieran McKenna picked them up, but not enough to get them into any position. I must admit, I was sad to see him leave Man United, but it's nice to know that he's starting to forge a career for himself as a manager. We got anything from League Two? 
Yeah, I have a quick look at League Two. So I just say Charlton, as I said, finishing immediately 13th, but we'll see we'll, them in we'll, a minute, very we'll, sadly. We'll talk Charlton in a minute. I know you're unhappy. Unhappy? Yeah, disappointed. All the same. Right, League Two, yeah, we'll do a quick round down League Two. Exeter won League Two. Uh, well, well, actually, they play another game, so they haven't won League Two yet, but they are promoted. Uh, alongside, and I can't believe we're in the same league as Forest Green Rovers. But congratulations, Forest Green Rovers. Welcome to League One. You're going to love it. Northampton is third. They have the last automatic promotion spot. But this league is really intriguing. Northampton is third. 45 games played. 77 points. 20 goal difference. Bristol Rovers, same points. 15 goal difference. Mansfield, a point behind the pair. 15 goal difference. Port Vale, two points behind with the same goal difference. Swindon in Ooh. seventh, three points behind on the same goal difference. So third to seventh, all can get promoted. But for poor Swindon and for Port Vale, they're looking up. Three points will take them third. However, Sutton in eighth and Tramier ninth are one point behind them. Whoa, this is really Sutton and Tramier looking class. in. So the League Two playoff picture is going to be one. T- if you're Saturday, you're bored, you don't know what to do. I think it's three o'clock kickoff. It might be twelve. I don't actually know in, in League Two. Whatever it is, find out. It's three p.m. Watch the League Two playoffs. It's going to be crazy. I, I'm backing Bristol Rovers because I have found it to support them, and they'd tell me off if I didn't. Relegated and out of the league, going to the conference is the first ever former Premier League side Ooh. to be relegated to non-league football. Can you guess who? Bolton. No. Who would have dropped that far? Let's have a think. How how long ago would you say they were in the Premier League? I think they were in the original Premier League, the first year of the Premier League. I Oldham? Yes, yeah, so Oldham Athletic. Wow, that is a long, in long drop. The conference next year. There'll be a non-league side for the, for the first time, as will Scunthorpe United, first time in non-league. I think it's 114 years, Scunthorpe or something, have been a football team. They've never played below the conference, the league below League Two. And then I'll just do the top of the conference just because there's a nice battle going on at the top. A few people know, and most people know, outside of the world of football that Wrexham have been brought up by some Hollywood stars. Ryan Reynolds. They are and... in the title to fight, but it looks like it could be over this weekend for them. Stockport County are currently leading the league and except for a Football League return. Wrexham, Halifax, Solihill, Notts County, Grimsby, Chesterfield and Dagenham are the teams in the hunt. So is it only... them. So How many teams go up One goes conference? up automatically. Right. One. Well, two, one, and then there's a six-team playoff. So they do it similar to Scotland? Yeah. So set right. second and third get a bye. Fourth play seventh, fifth play sixth, then move on. I don't know why they just don't do it on league position, but whatever floats their boat. Oh, yeah. So how many eventually come up? Going on. Three down, three just up. one. Two, two up, four down. How does that work? Because the two go up from League Two. So the two come down from League Two, so two replace them. But they relegate four to the Conference North and South because it's divided into two. Right, OK. I was just admitting, I was like, so, so then, that league yeah, would be so then stacked after in a few the, years. In the Conference South, two will go up. In the Conference North, two will go up. So I think from our local area... That's for those of you who don't know, London, Kent, the South. I think Maidstone won the league. So Maidstone will go up there. And then there's like Ebbsfleet and Dartford. And I think Eastbourne and Haven't are in the playoffs. So, so where, like a, where are Welling? Welling are in that league, the same league as Maidstone. But they stayed up on the last game. Oh. With a win over champions Maidstone, luckily. Oh. And uh, just 
just because we're doing local news, Chatham, they won their league this year. They have a football team? Chatham have a football They have a bloody good football team. Wow. Where I are Walton so Casuals? I believe Walton Casuals are still in the Premier. They have nice kits, the Walton Casuals. The Stags, they're called, aren't they? I believe. I think they play in the Southern Premier Division South, which is two divisions below Welling. No league above here for Belvedere, effectively. Oh, okay. Well, oh, gonna... wrong. I am oh. very sorry to them. They've actually gone up since then. On to the saddest of sad newses for Pete and for Dan. Unfortunately, Pete couldn't be with us tonight. Johnny Jackson, forever the Charlton legend, but manager no more. So, Dan, you have your box of Kleenex with you. I shall let you bear your soul and shed your tears. It, it, it hurts. It hurts. And it, the, the thing that makes it the most annoying is that if, if it wasn't a Charlton legend and we had, I don't know, pick your random manager, I don't know, Dave from the Chippy, I don't care. If he's your manager, this man was given the job when we were second from bottom in November and was told to finish in the top six or face losing his job. He had to get, from the day that he took over to the end of the season, he needed to get, I think it was 2.91 points per game to make the playoffs. So he had to basically win every game. That's just not realistic. Like, no, it's not. You're, you're not setting that target. So that is the first issue. He, he pulled us up to 13th. Should, should we have done better? Yes. Could we have done better? Yes. Was the football at times awful? Yes, but you're in League One. Sometimes the pitches are crap. Sometimes the players are crap, which I think most Charlton fans will admit our squad is doo-doo. So it won't shock. We need a rebuild because we didn't recruit right in the summer. But again, that's something that we'll get to in a minute. Sunday, the owner is at the Player of the Year do telling everyone on camera, being recorded by the Twitter page on a live Twitter feed, saying how we've got an exciting future with Johnny Jackson as our manager. We're going to have a recruitment. Johnny's going to be part of the recruitment. We're going to go forward, build the squad and get promoted. He flies back on the Monday night to Colorado, calls up Jacko to sack him. No. Sorry, to, do, to end his, to say that his contract was not going to be renewed. You can't, you can't do that. No, that's disgusting. You can't do that. That it gave me Roland vibes. I think this guy's given you Roland vibes since day dot, if you're honest. Mm. Yeah. No, but I've said that to you, haven't I? But I just thought the worst thing about it is you can't go on, tell the fans, tell Jacko, like, yeah, we're going to build a squad around you, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, come out, sack him and come out in the press and say, yeah, well, I didn't like the way he played football. I want to play a high pressing, quick game, nice pass. You can't do that in League One. I don't like the 5-3-2. No one wins with a 5-3-2. The two teams that won the league and finished second played 5-3-2. So it can work. I'm not a big fan of the formation overall, but it's proven that it could, the way things are done, the recruitment was bad. He admits the recruitment was bad. But the recruitment team is his son and Steve Gallen. Is that former That's QPR striker Steve Gallen? Yeah, yeah, which Steve Gallon has been fantastic. He's been with us for years and he always does pull out some gems. He got us Connor Gallagher, he got us Josh Cullen, he got us Lyle Taylor. Like, 
he has been very good for us. And he's been fine doing it on his own. He's but this his son's been appointed for whatever reason. And um yeah, just I just don't like the way things have got again. If this was not Johnny Jackson and this was even if it was the other way around and this was Nigel Atkins and in and you know, Nigel Atkins had just done it's still not fair, regardless of if you think Johnny was right or not. The way he was treated is just not acceptable, in my opinion. I don't think you should treat a manager like that. Terry Skiverton. Yeah, I don't know about the assistant, but we know the assistant. Well, we know the assistant's gone, Terry Skiverton. But what he was brought in to do and what happened on the pitch didn't happen. So I understood that one. He was brought in to be a defensive specialist, and we considered more goals. Uh, the only positive really is that Jason Yule's hung around. So at least there's someone at the club that knows what's going on. And the, the the worst thing is the two names I've seen in the media are Steve Keane and Neil Lennon. You're joking. I was like, please. Steve Keane. Please he yeah. was the guy who got Blackburn relegated under the Venkies, wasn't he? He was. But apparently he's done wonders at Hibs as a youth team coach. Yeah, but that's youth um, team. Some people are fantastic coaches. Look at some of the assistant managers that are left Man United. Brian Kidd, for example, he was a fantastic assistant manager, a fantastic coach. But he then went and tried to manage on his own to not very much success. Carlos Quiroz was another one. Fantastic coach, fantastic assistant manager. He is. I think he's managing someone like Egypt or someone now. I think it was either Egypt or Iran, someone like that. So having said that, the bookies' odds, which are normally, if not right, in the right in the ballpark area, I don't actually mind. I'd say the top two, and then the fifth one makes sense. So the favourite right now at nine to four, which I think is pretty good odds, is Mark Warburton. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think, I don't think he drops to League One. He's done a really good job in the Championship. With Brentford and QPR, I don't know if he drops. Who's so he managing just at about still at QPR? He's currently at QPR, but he's leaving in the summer. Yeah, I can't see that. Um, so he technically is going to be unemployed. But second one is Michael Bill. So this one, I don't know if you know who Michael Bill is. No. Um, he's the first team coach at Aston Villa. He was the first team coach at Rangers under Stephen Gerrard. And well, I know interviewed... who you're talking about. Yeah was interviewed for the Cholton job when Nigel Atkins got it. Right. And apparently was on, like, there was a three-man shortlist at the end, and it was him, Jacko, and Atkins that were the final three. And they picked the wrong one. Um, And obviously they picked Atkins, and then they picked Jacko, so it wouldn't surprise me if they picked Michael Bill. And he was also, I think I'm right in saying he was a youth coach at the club before he went up to Scotland. So he does know his way around. The fourth one's Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Um, he gets linked with Cholton every time there's a managerial point because he played for us. I don't think they realise that there's mutual disdain between the pair Lee Bowyer is next, um, basically because Birmingham are about to kick him off. And, you know, he's been successful with us. And then the fifth one, and I think it's an outside-the-box shot, is Darren Ferguson. Now, Darren Ferguson is, by all accounts, I've heard, look, how do we put this? There's a lot of negative opinions of him on the internet as a person. However, as a football manager, he knows League One. He knows how to get out of League One. Wouldn't be the worst appointment, in my opinion. But not one I see happening. 
one because he goes back to Peterborough every six months. But there's a lot of yeah strange points. Then there's Neil Lennon, which is the fact that he's there scares the rubbish out of me. And then Michael Carrick. Well, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure Michael Carrick will be joining Charlton because the reason he left Manchester United was because he said that he wanted to take some time away from the game because basically he retired and from playing and went straight on to the first team coach at Manchester United. And then when Ralph Ranić came in and said, right, I want you to stay, he was like, no, I've managed the team for a couple of games. I think he won like four out of five games or something, if I remember rightly. And then when Ralph came in, he was like, right, I'm off. I'm going home for a while. So I'm not sure I can see him rocking up. I think it'd be quite a, a surprise and it'd be, it'd be good for Charlton, I think, because he's very well thought of at Manchester United as a coach. So it could definitely be a benefit for Charlton. Um, but out of all those, who do you think is most likely to get it? I think Michael Bill, to be honest. I think unless someone comes in and blows them away with a good... I think I'd actually... Well, so I'll say this. I think Michael Bill, because of the previous interview, I think if Mark Walkinson shows interest in the job, which I don't really think is a thing, I think if he does, it's his job. Because he's just got a good rep. I, again, I'm going to go with the... Charlton Ball, I know it doesn't work. We hadn't worked well. wasn't given time to work with Jacko. I said it before, I'll say it again. Cholton seem to be successful when the manager knows the place. Powell, Kerbishley, Bowyer. So my, my pick would be Matt Taylor, because he's just got exit promoted from League Two. Young hungry manager, spent three, four years at the Valley, was our captain for a while when Jacko went in, got injured. I think he's the man. I think he'd take the job. The one that I was eyeing up before, see Michael Flynn is now in management, so I'm likely to get that one. And... Um, so I think, I th- yeah, I think, as I said, I'm pretty sure it'll be Michael Beale as long as Mark Wilberton's not available. But is Bill going to come with a large compensation fee? I imagine there'll be a compensation fee, but I think we paid half a million for Chucks and EK to sign from Birmingham. He obviously has some money to spend. Are there no odds on Jason Yule getting a run-in? I'm not sure he's in the frame. I think he's been part of too many uh, failing management squads probably in the areas mind. Are you concerned that you're heading down a Watford kind of route where you're just sacking manager after manager after manager and Watford. getting nowhere? I'm, I'm concerned we're going through what we went through last time. I don't think, I think we're on on the course to be another, to have another road on our hand, but a diff, with a different... I don't think what Sangard does, he does on purpose. I think like Roland knew exactly what he was doing. I think Sangard's an excited puppy who has a new toy. Does that make sense? Yes, I know what you mean. Roland saw, thought he could make money out of Charlton, got here and went, oh, I'm not making any money. Sangard thought, oh, I own a football club, that would make me a name. you know. And then he's bought Charlton and he's gone, well, this isn't how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> Welcome to League One. <laughs> I think the thing that also worries me is there seems to be this disturbing trend and it's coming in, I've noticed more in the lower leagues than the upper leagues, but of this appointing family members into positions of authority within football clubs. I mean, we talked about Tony Khan being the director of football at Fulham. Mm. Um, Tony Khan is obviously the well, owner. Well, he's not director of, of football. No, he is. He has he's the director a role of in the management. 
it, well, that's not, but that's not his like actual title. Is it not? I thought it was because that's what no, I read. Like, he's like chief chief of operating or some bollocks. It's I think it's the same thing, but but I think he like okay's everything on the football side. I was all all was gonna say I, I've seen it as director of football. Um, I'm just gonna Google this quickly now, but it seems disturbing because he's no. For those people who listen to our off-the-pitch off the podcast, he's the owner of AEW Wrestling in America, and I think he's involved with the Jacksonville That's Jaguars. His dad's bought... Jaguars. His dad's bought um, Fulham and... His dad's owned Wembley, for you that don't know. <laughs> his dad owns Wembley as well. Hence why... Uh... Everyone else from the NFL plays at Tottenham and Jacksonville play at Wembley. Right, sorry, I stand corrected. You are correct. He is the vice chairman and director of football operations and also That's holds the, the roles of general manager and sporting director. So, yeah, he's director of football, basically. Words. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This seems term. to be really disturbing and it's now happening at Charlton as well. He's brought in his son to do something. His son is head of analysis recruitment. So from what it's been explained in interviews and stuff, Gallen will go and scout the player and, and choose the player that he thinks is good enough. The son will then gather the stats and... And the data. Yeah, all that. And then they have to take it to Sangar. I'm kind of getting vibes of like he's turned around to dad and said, yeah, I'm really good on football manager. So give me a job. <laughs> I've been trying for years. I've been trying that for years. No one will give me a job. It kind of feels that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. But I'm just at the point with it. And it was like when Jackson was sacked, I was at work. And uh, everyone said like, oh, Jackson, Jackson's been sacked. And if I looked at it, I was like, you expect me to be surprised that Charlton have done something out of the blue. Like, well, at this point, every Charlton fan is used to us doing something that makes absolutely no sense. So what's new? I have not had it like, it's been years. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised when something goes right at this football club. It would be nice just to have a little so, bit of st stability at Charlton more than anything right now. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. And I, and I don't know, obviously, and this is going to be a big moment about how, ne how next year goes. And how the fans view him long term. We will make a big signing. And I've been big as in either a big name or we'll splash the cash. Obviously, for our level, we'll splash in the cash. And if it works and he pulls it off, he, I mean, good, great. And if it goes wrong, he's in a bit of trouble, I think. I, I think I he's already in trouble. I think. Yeah, no, he is. I think the fans are already a bit unsure. But I think that he... I, I have a feeling that's how he'll try to, you know... Uh, if I but you know get some money together and we sign, I don't know, Cole Stockton, for instance, who's a striker in League One, who scored a ton, then he comes in and scores 20-odd goals. All, all will kind of be forgotten a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't. Obviously, you're closer to the fan base than I am, being a Charlton fan and being a regular at the stadium. 
But I don't think it's so much the sacking of Johnny Jackson that's going to concern people the most. I think it's the way he's done it. Yes. Because like you yes, said, 100%. he's just walked in, publicly lied to everybody from fan to player to staff and then gone home and done the opposite. I think that is going to set alarm bells for everyone. I'm, I just worry because Charlton obviously got an affiliation with Charlton and, and a fondness for Charlton because of Pete uh, from my youth and through you. But I, I just, I just don't want to see what happened like it was back under Roland when like fans were protesting outside the stadium. And I, I don't want to see that for Charlton. No, we don't need it again. But, but my, I, it's coming. I don't, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise. I don't think we're there yet. I have a feeling though, like if next year, again, he, he needs to get the appointment needs to be the right one. And I don't mean that he needs to pick who the fans were, but as in this appointment has to work, whether the fans, like the appointment when that happens or not, that manager needs to be successful. Otherwise, we are going to go through. Because the one thing I would argue, really, with Roland, that I know Charlton fans won't like me for, is when he made a managerial change, it got results. It, norm it normally worked, even if it was short term, like when we got rid of Chris Powell. Now, I probably am the only Charlton fan that will admit this out loud. I thought it was right that Chris Powell moved on when he did. When we sacked Chris Powell, I thought it, Chris Powell's time was on. Um, and I know for a fact there are hundreds of Charlton fans that would agree with me. They won't say it. They wouldn't put it on Twitter when it happened. And they probably wouldn't agree now. I was the only one who put it on Twitter and said, right, you know what, it is time. You know, we were awful. Jose Riga came in, did the job. Now, that's the only one that we shouldn't have let go. We should never have let Riga go. Well, Peters came in, had a really good spell. We were up in the playoffs for a bit. It went wrong. Guy Luzon came in, had a bit of a bounce back. It went wrong. We brought Riga back. Didn't quite work. Oh, the only one, actually, you can actually turn around and say didn't work at all was Russell Slade. That was that was awful. <laughs> but the majority, I'd argue, had an, like a, at least, again, not long-term, but it did have like that impact where... I mean, Sangar's one was Atkins, and Atkins was kind of the same. The change worked, didn't work long term. There's a lot of similarities. And the biggest one for me, as we discussed before, is he bought the club for a quid. He doesn't own the training ground. He doesn't own the valley. So, in essence, he it's only all... owns Charlton in name. He paid a quid. I could have bought the club. I don't, I don't like the sound of this. I really don't want to see Charlton go through what they went through with Roland again. And it's just. So Roland still owns the training ground and the Valley. Is there, I know this is looking into the future, is there a really bad possibility that you could see the return of Roland Dushley? No. I don't think Roland wanted out the minute he learned that he couldn't make money out of the club. No one wanted to do his club anymore. That's why he sold it for a quid. Just get rid of it. I genu genuinely think my genuine concern is that there will come a time when Roland goes, right, give me my money or I'm selling the valley. Would, he, we owe him a lot of money. I was just concerned because, in essence, he basically still owns the club because he's got your oh, training he's got the ground. Club bollocks. Yeah, he's got your training ground and he's got your... So there's... Sangard has a deal, even the deal. He's got a deal where he pays rent and then every... The rent long term will add up to buying the ground by buying the assets. 
Mm-hmm. So obviously, like so, say it's like whatever, hundred grand a month or whatever it is. Eventually, he will take ownership. Yeah, it's more a mortgage than it is a, a rent. I'd just buy it. Has just he got the money to buy it? it? I don't have a clue. I honestly don't have a clue. I've not done enough research into the man to find out. I, I think this here's the thing. Trump fans were so happy to get rid of Roland, and that's me included. I was, we were quite open and just happy to accept anyone that it didn't matter who bought the club. Do you know what I mean? And now it's like, okay, when we're looking at it, it doesn't look great. Just the original thing was because the the, the people that bought almost bought the club before Sangard or that were fighting Sangard to buy the club was Peter Varney and a man called Andrew Barkley, who you might have heard of. Yep. But the reason that they didn't in the end was because they were like, we're not buying a football club, just a football club. We are buying everything or nothing. And Roland's demand, they were like, we're not coming. It's just not worth that. So then Sangar did the deal to buy the club and nothing else. And now he owns the the football club, but he doesn't have anything else. I'm going to end this segment by just saying to Man United fans listening to this podcast, be careful what you wish for. You complain about the Glazers nonstop, but you could be in a far worse situation. You could be a Charlton fan right now. Yeah, we'll have them. (laughs) In some more shocking news coming out of football, and we're going back to the top tier now, was the sudden passing of super agent, if you can call him that, Mino Rayola, huge client list, including uh, Erling Braut Haaland, Jesse Lingard from a Man United perspective, Matthias De Ligt, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I'm sure I'm missing a ton of others as well. He has sadly passed away. Dan, do you know what he actually passed away from? Because I haven't seen it. No, I, all I know is he was in intensive care. Let me have a quick must have been something. Must have been an illness of some sort. He obviously owns an agency. And although I did hear a weird fact, I don't know if this is actually true or not, that he doesn't actually have contracts with his clients, which I find a bit weird. What, just have agreements or something? Apparently. But that's, I heard that on another podcast. To be fair, it is a legitimate podcast from journalists. But. You know, you can never be too sure what's going on. But it does show, it does throw a few bits and bobs into doubt because a lot of his age, his clients are out of contract. I mean, Harlan's obviously the, the biggest one of them all about his closing his contract coming into play so people can get him relatively cheaper than they would have to. There's been talk of a long time that, a deal with Manchester City is being negotiated and it's probably done. But I've got to wonder is whether they're still going to be looking at the same prices or maybe Man City will be looking to renegotiate because I've heard that like the agency wanted 40 million and his dad was getting 30 million. Do you think it's going to change the state of play or do you think they'll just carry on as? I'd be shocked if the deals weren't already done. I know obviously we don't, know about them but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of deals are done and are just waiting for like a confirmation date but for those deals that aren't I like I'm 
I'm fairly certain the Harley, Erling Haaland one's done. I'm not sure that Paul Pogba's one was. Um, so I'm very interested to see. I think it could make a turn. I think the club, the clubs will try, but we were trying to work out before, weren't we? Who takes over from him? Like, is there someone lower down the pecking order at, at his firm to take the deal? Like, do they just take over negotiations from now on, or do they have to find new? Like, we we couldn't really find out, could we? No, unfortunately, the website that you found wasn't too conclusive and I couldn't find the website at all, to be honest. So I don't know how you found it. <laughs> That's the joys of Google. You have to type in the right words to get what you want. Otherwise, you don't get it. But I mean, I'm sure the guy's got other people working for him. I'm sure he's not negotiating these deals solidly on his own. I'm sure he's probably laying the groundwork and then having people finish them off. But it does make you wonder whether some of his client list are actually going to stay with that agency now that he's gone because he was the the ego, the driving force and the reputation behind that agency. And you now wonder whether that agency is going to be in a position to say, right, we're not going to pay, we're not going to be able to command the same fees as we did now Raiola's not around because he was the one doing the initial assessment. I mean, from a Man United fan point of view, it's interesting because Man United went through a stage quite recently where they did not, there was a rumour circulating around, I don't know if this is accurate, but there was a rumour circulating around and coming out of Old Trafford that they were refusing to do deals with Mino Raiola full stop. So they were not chasing any more players that were represented by Mino Raiola, apart from obviously the ones that, that they already had. My understanding is obviously there was bad feeling with the Paul Pogba deals and there was some ill feeling around Jesse Lingard's situation as well. So, because uh, it was only, I think, a year or two ago that Jesse Lingard switched to him as his agent. So from, from my point of view, it might open the door a little bit more. It also comes in time for Manchester United who are currently restructuring their scouting network and Darren Fletcher and John Murtagh have now overtaken uh, the recruitment side of things, both staff and player. So I don't know. What what do you think, Dan? Do do you think this is the end of huge agent fees in the the Minoraiola regard? No, I think it's with what's the other guy's name, the Portuguese guy, Jorge Mendes, right? Yes. I think, if anything, I think it probably gives Jorge Mendes more leverage. Just going to say, I know that uh, Mendes isn't in the Raiola category. I think he's a, I know he's obviously a super agent, but I just don't think he's as demanding as that. I think Jonathan Barnett, who I think is he Gareth- could be now. He possibly could be. I think Gareth Bauer's agent, Jonathan Barnett, is one of those who who demands a lot. Um, But sorry, go on. Yeah, I just just said, I think people will step up. There's money to be made, isn't it? At the end of the day, football is is a money world. It's dominated by money. Uh, The people that, you know, they'll know that these big fees won't stop until the club stop getting the big fees. So, I mean, we've just discussed before many times caps and stuff in football. It's too late. Well, I was going to say, sorry, but they are looking at capping agents' fees to, I think it's 10% of the transfer fee now, aren't they? 
FIFA, really? yeah, FIFA. I've I've been hearing Good. about this a lot that it's going to be ten percent of of a transfer fee. So, or I think it's maximum ten percent of a transfer fee or something. Anyone who basically say, I think goes it'll be shut about, down. Yeah, I was going to say anything that goes for about forty million. I think their agent's going to get about four million instead of being able to ask for twenty instead. That's going to get to court though. Yes, I've no doubt. I think Mino Raiola and Jonathan <laughs> Barnett and a couple of others were already uh, fighting in, that in. one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, their money's about to go down the toilet. For me personally, but I yeah, agree with it. It will I think, be interesting to see. Yeah, I think for me, I, I. I agree with it. I think enough money has left the game of football and not enough money is going back into football at the moment. Well, that's the thing that, I mean, we discussed it again, we've discussed it many times on this podcast, but it's all right having the top clubs have money, but I wouldn't mind, but the, the little clubs are losing out because the money's getting bigger. There seems to be this thing where the money's getting bigger at the top, so we have to stretch how the bottom now needs to make money to make up for what the top are doing. Yeah. I don't understand it. No, you're right. There is a very unfair balance in terms of finances. The only way that smaller clubs benefit from it now is in terms of, we've talked about it before on this podcast, the premium rate that you put on young or good English talent. So you mm-hmm. will get a higher fee. You can command a higher fee if you're a Peterborough or a Brentford or a Burnley or I don't know, someone, even a Charlton, if they were to sell Deji or, or or something, instead of getting the six or seven million that you got for Gomez, you might be able to demand 14. But yeah, well, we got 11 for Lookman. But the one, that, the one that, like, the thing that gets me is when you look at, again, it's, we've gone slightly off topic, but Barry went bust because they had, they did, they were a million pounds. They, were, they owed a million pounds. The top clubs in the world, what did Barca just do? Was it? 200 billion or something they rented or whatever it was yeah i think it's about two billion pounds 2.4 billion so they're two million two billion pounds in debt yes and and it it, (laughs) is we've we've talked about financial fair play apparently that's being changed as well but yeah but i mean even we're talking about money going out the game because of agents fees these agents fees they could have bought berry six times over on just one transaction. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, I know we had a th- discussion and I can't remember if we disagreed or not. I know I disagreed with someone. I still thought, felt that maybe the two Manchester clubs should have helped Barry out and just said, look, here's half a million each. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. The problem was the rules, because like we said, we talked before about, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Barry used to be a feeder team for Man United and we used to pay them an annual fee. And then the FA said, you're not allowed to do that anymore because it was blocking Berry from bringing their own talent through by loading too many loan players into the Berry squad. So Berry also mm. lost out from that. So in that situation, it's kind of like a no win, no matter how hard you try. But so you think that someone's just going to step up and take Mino's place now and take over his, his agency and his roster? Maybe not one. Well, the thing is, we don't know. I think in terms of the wider agency problem, he'll either be replaced. I don't think he'll be replaced by one person. I think he'll be replaced by multiple agents at like the top of sports. But at his company, we we genuinely have no idea. There's so much secrecy, isn't there? Really, 
I guess we'll see because I'm I'm sure at some point something will come out next time there's a big deal because Pogba still hasn't signed officially. Harling hasn't signed. Harling, Harland hasn't signed officially. So I guess there's going to be some news I assume coming out soon about one of them, if not both of them, and we'll find out I guess. And on that note, we're going to bid you good evening because we've got other things to do. Also, keep your eyes on the feed because there is going to be a Manchester United-specific podcast coming on um, starring myself and maybe somebody else. We'll see. Um, Just basically me giving my views on where the club's gone wrong under the Glazers and just my opinions on the whole Manchester United spectrum, basically. But anyway, thank you for joining me for tonight, Dan. No problem. And don't forget to go to our sponsors. Once again, thank you to them. The Proper Blokes Club, walking and talking for men's mental health. If you're a bloke and you're struggling with your mental health, go to www.theproperblokesclub.co.uk. And our other main sponsor, which is Let Us Talk Mental Health, the football club raising money for mental health charity Mind. Dan, you're in with the guys. Take it away. Yeah, so the boys played the week that we last did the football funders. The lads played in the quarterfinals of the cup. Sadly, they lost. Uh, they lost 2-1, I think it was, down in South End. So at the minute, don't have a game to tell you about. Uh, but as soon as they do, I'll let you know. Right, well, thank you very much to our listeners for tuning in. And we'll be back with you again soon.